0: As I said earlier, we will not have a, a, a time of normal time of the reading of God's Word and the proclamation of that Word, but there are three different passages of Scripture that I wish to share with you today, that I wish to share with you as the congregation, and that I wish to share with Alicia as we prepare to ordain you to the office of deacon. Two of these are passages... Uh, that you probably would expect at a deacon ordination, the passage from 1 Timothy, which we'll get to last, the passage from Acts that Sharon actually taught on a few moments ago. But I want to start with a passage from John, from John's gospel, from the 13th chapter And considering that if I were to ask you to stand every time I read Scripture this morning, we would be up and down as if we were Roman Catholics or Episcopalians. Um, You may stay seated this morning, but I ask that in your spirit that you would rise as we read God's Word together. We are in John, the 13th chapter. We're going to be starting with the first verse. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now when it was time for supper, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God and that he was going back to God. So he got up from supper. He laid aside his outer clothing. He took a towel. He tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? No, Simon, you I'm going to skip. Everyone else, I'm going to wash their feet, but you I'm going to skip. Jesus answered him, What I am doing, you don't realize now, but afterward you will understand. You will never wash my feet, Peter said. And Jesus replied, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. One who has bathed, Jesus told him, does not need to wash anything except his feet, for he is completely clean. You are clean, But not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. This is why he said, not all of you are clean. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, Do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly, since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. Truly, I tell you, as a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do know them. I am not speaking about all of you. I know those I have chosen, but the scripture must be fulfilled. The one who eats my bread has raised his heel against me. I am telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. Truly I tell you, whoever receives anyone I send receives me, and the one who receives me receives him who sent me. We see here Jesus, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, God in the flesh, get up from a meal that he is sharing with his disciples, that the Master is sharing with the followers. And he gets up and he washes their feet. Have any of you ever been in a church or been in a service where you participated in a foot washing? A couple of you have. Um, I went to seminary with an individual who was Church of the Brethren, and the Brethren are a foot washing tradition. And so as part of their third year service, chapel service, we had a foot washing. Now you want to see a group of people get uncomfortable. Ask a group of of back row Baptists to participate in a foot washing. You should see the look of terror and panic on some of your faces right now that I'm even mentioning it. But let me tell you what happens. In that service. When you have, in my case, it was an older gentleman from her church who had come to help us. A man very much my senior, very much my elder. And, and probably my superior in the faith. Walked the faith a lot longer than I have. To kneel in front of me whom he did not know, and to wash my feet. And then the feeling of getting up and, and kneeling down next to the person next to me and, and washing theirs. Now, don't get worried. I'm not going to ask us to do a foot washing this week. But it's going to be hard as a congregation to have divisions and separations when you kneel in front of each other. But I want us to remember who's kneeling in this story. It's not just anybody. It's it's Jesus. The one who, if there is any person who has ever lived who could demand and who will actually receive every knee bowed to him. He is the one who bowed the knee to his disciples and washed their feet. Jesus was not interested in exerting power over people. In fact, he gave all of that up to do what he did for us. And so, Alicia, this is a model of servant leadership. For you and for those others of you who are ordained and called to be deacons, and for me, called and ordained as an elder. Now, last year, we started giving towels to folks as a reminder of their service. Um, we had a hurricane on Friday, and it sort of got in the way of the towel getting done. So you have a towel coming to remind you always of the service to which you have been called. And so we turn to Acts. Acts, the sixth chapter. In those days, the disciples were increasing in number. If you go back and you read the story of Pentecost, you'll see that when they say increasing in number, they mean by the thousands increasing in number. In those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews, that is, the Jews who were Greek-speaking, against the Hebraic Jews, that is, those who spoke either Hebrew or Aramaic, that their widows, the Hellenistic widows, were being overlooked in the daily distribution. The twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, It would not be right for us to give up the preaching of the word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole company. See, even the apostles had to go to the congregation to get anything done. The proposal pleased the whole company, so they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. They had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. So the word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. And so we see here, this is the story that sharon told us earlier the the disciples growing greatly in number and and what happens if you'll notice is the fact that they only ever call the first deacons because people come with an issue going back to that we got to hear from you and what we see here right is we, we see what could have been the beginning of an ethnic conflict within the early church greek-speaking jews jews of, of greek descent hellenistic jews 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 from outside of judea and hebraic jews hebrew aramaic speaking jews jews from judea converts in the church and there's this division between them and we don't know what causes the division it's potential that it was a language barrier to be honest we do that, don't we? Often we, often we care for those that we know. That we are in contact with, that we're the, the closest to. And we're the closest to people who look like, sound like, talk like us, right? It's just a fact of life. I don't particularly care for it, but it's true. But what happened here in the early churches is that, as god 's word is going out, as the gospel is going out, you have these people who don 't look like sound like talk like the apostles coming to faith, and quite on accident they 're getting left out, and so they come and they say we've got we 've got to solve this and so the disciples so the disciples. Say well, you're right. We we've got to do something about this. But but what God has called us to do is to pray and to teach the word. And so so we're going to need somebody else. We're going to need some diaconos, some some servants, some deacons to help us conduct the ministry of the church as we devote ourselves to the prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what's interesting here, what we see here, right? <laughs> We actually see Baptist polity at work. The elders, the apostles, go to the congregation and say, we see this problem, this is the solution we think you should take. And so the congregation says, yeah, we agree with that. And they choose, but I want you to note who they choose. They they choose seven individuals, all of whom have Greek names. You may not catch that, because you may not know Greek there was a need there was a need in a particular place in the community and and who the church picked was pick the people who could serve that need the best hey we've overlooked these folks well we're gonna get people who look like them sound like them talk like them to make sure they aren't overlooked anymore they were called out to to support the apostles, to support the elders, to be engaged in the ministry of the church, the day-to-day physical needs, the congregation. Notice it was the daily distribution, the day-to-day work of the church. But I want you to to pay special attention to verse 7. So the word of God spread, the disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. When they got themselves organized in a faithful, godly, biblical way, you saw even more people come to faith and their witness of what they were doing was so great that even the priests came to faith. That is the power of a good deacon. The power of a good deacon is a church that thrives seeing people come to faith. So for those of you who are deacons, that's the power of a good deacon. We turn over to 1 Timothy. Now this is an a letter that Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy is in Ephesus having some issues in the church there. And so the first part of chapter 3, he's giving the, the qualifications for the elders in the church. There are two offices in the church. There's the office of elder and the office of deacon. Our Baptist faith and message, our confession of faith, says that there is two offices, the pastor and the deacon. My only problem with that, while it's the same two offices, pastor is not biblical language. Elder is biblical language. Two offices. These are the qualifications for a deacon. Deacons, likewise, should be worthy of respect, not hypocritical, Not drinking a lot of wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of faith with a clear conscience. They must also be tested first. If they prove blameless, they can serve as deacons. Now we come to a, a word that is contentious. In the Greek, the word for wife and the word for woman is the same word. I'll say this. There are no qualifications put on elders' wives. I've got a hard time thinking that Paul puts qualifications on deacons' wives and not elders' wives. I think we've mistranslated this word in the English tradition for 500 years. I think this word should be translated as woman, as women. Women's too must be worthy of respect, not slanderous, self-controlled, and faithful in everything. Deacons are to be husbands of one wife, managing their children and their own households competently, For those who have served well as deacons acquire a good standing for themselves and great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. These are the qualifications of deacons. Now, here's the interesting thing. I would challenge you, if you are a Christian who is not called to be a deacon, read that list and tell me which of those things you are not called to be. Deacons are not, in fact, super Christians. Neither are, I regret to inform you, pastors and elders. I, I don't, I don't, I don't have a leotard on under my shirt that has SC, which would be actually kind of cool because it would not only mean stand for super Christian, it would also stand for Stacia Carter, and that would be, you know, fitting. There was a gentleman this morning, Presbyterian pastor, who tweeted out this morning, are you going to go into church today and sit with a hypocrite? Yes, because you're going to be sitting with yourself. We're not called to be super-Christians. Deacons aren't called to be super-Christians, neither are elders. But we are called to live into these qualifications worthy of respect, not hypocritical, not drinking a lot of wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. What an amazing line. Hey, there are some things, Timothy, that you and your deacons and your elders are never going to understand. It's the mystery of the faith, but hold it with a clear conscience, without reservation They must be tested first if they prove blameless they can serve as deacons women too are to be worthy of respect faithful uh, not slanderous self-controlled faithful in everything let me offer men whether this is whether this is meant to be wives as it has been translated for 500 years or whether it's meant to be women gentlemen All of these things should apply to us as well. Worthy of respect, not slanderous, self-controlled, faithful in everything. This is not a list that is only for a certain group of people. This is for all of us. Now, why? Why are these the qualifications for a deacon? Why Why is it this list? I'd offer this because at the very least you want your deacons to be Christians and this is what Christian behavior looks like because as, as a deacon not only do you serve in material ways not only do you, do, do, do you have a servant's heart that's humble and, and willing to get down on your knees in front of others, but but you also serve as an example to the members of this congregation, but also to the community outside. Let me tell you: you are not just a deacon inside these four walls. You're going to be a deacon at Lumberton High School where you teach. You're going to be a deacon in your home where you've got a little one who looks up to you as her aunt. You're going to be a deacon when you're driving down the road. I've seen how you drive sometimes. Let's work on that. Also, hi pot, I'm Kettle. You're going to be a deacon from this moment forward. It doesn't go away. It doesn't stop unless you do something and then we take it away from you. And let's not do that. You're called, that's a way that you're called to serve the people of God. That's why serving is an example. So that they can look to you. Whether they're older than you, which might be awkward, or younger than you, which can still be awkward. Look to you as an example of, of Christ. You'll see this morning, folks, you'll notice that our deacons are wearing little deacon badges. This was an idea from one of our incoming deacons, from Mr. Henry Calder. And here's the thing, they're they're wearing those badges for two reasons. One, so you know who they are. But two, also sometimes it helps them to have it on because then it reminds them that they're a deacon and they're being looked at. So it serves in two capacities. But these are the folks that you have hopefully through prayer and discernment discerned that God is calling out of this body to serve you Alicia will you come forward have a series of questions one question that I'm going to ask y'all and then a question that I'm then a series of questions I'm going to ask you so first you the people of Fairmont First Baptist Church have you as a church considered seriously the decision to accept this woman as a deacon of this church we have and you will answer in the affirmative with an I do for these questions Alicia, do you wish to be set apart as a deacon of this church, serving its members physically and spiritually? Do you promise to be faithful to the word of God? Do you promise to encourage the people both of this congregation but also of the wider community? Do you promise to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, to love others as yourself, and to seek to make disciples? And finally, do you promise to live by faith, to be a voice of hope, and to be known by love in accordance with the mission of First Baptist Church of Fairmont. You'll kneel. Those first deacons were ordained by the laying on of hands. If you are an ordained deacon or elder in this congregation or another, I would ask that you come at this time, lay hands on Alicia, and pray for her. If I could have Henry and Barry and Chip to come and stand and joining us, Alicia, you can stand up. These are the four that you have selected to come onto our deacon body to serve for the next three years. And so, even though three of you have been ordained previously, I figured it would be good for us to. Uh, remember the promises that we took at that time. So, again, a question to y'all that you will answer in the affirmative with a we have, and then a question to y'all that you will answer with an I do. Have you, as a church, freely chosen these individuals to serve this congregation as active deacons? And do you, who have been affirmed and chosen by this congregation to serve in this season, reaffirm the promises that you made when you were ordained? So these individuals are the individuals that are we serving for the next uh, three years. Um, I do want to if the rest of you will, will stand and, and turn. Um, every now and then what I hear is, um, I don't know who our deacons are. Sorry, the deacons, the deacons, the deacons. If you just stood up, you just made yourself a deacon. That's how we'll solve our deacon issue. Um, every now and then I hear, I don't know who, the de- I know who my deacon is, but I don't know who the other deacons are. Well, you see these gentlemen here, they are um, currently active serving deacons. We also have three others who are unable to be with us today. Andy Leggett is currently serving as an active deacon. Nick Evans is currently serving as an active deacon. And Chris Davis is currently serving as an active deacon. So those are your current deacons. So, If you hear anybody say, I don't know who the deacons are, you can say, I know what day you missed church, because these are your deacons. Will y'all come and join me in the front as we prepare to celebrate the Lord's table? Alicia, we're taking you and we're throwing you in the deep end. In traditions where all, it is all-